G'day and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. Today I had an amazing chat with the one and only Amy Blacker who runs a phenomenal little not-for-profit in New South Wales in Australia called Surfing the Spectrum where she uses just some amazing occupation-based practice and gets kids with autism and their families, siblings, cousins, brothers, dogs, everyone involved in the amazing sport of surfing. You know, I think leaving leaving school, I wanted to do something helping people. I think that was always something that I was going to do, or that was my small-minded, like as an 18, 19-year-old yeah, thinking, yeah. I guess. Like, I want to help people. Um, it was my mum, actually. Mum found it, okay. the course. She's like, oh, occupational therapy, that looks like a good course. Like, you could go here or into mental health or community. or And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty broad and, 19 I don't really know what I don't think anyone does yeah no I know (laughs) and so then I um that was that was basically it it was mum I I listened to mum for once um for once (laughs) yes for once I listened to mum but probably the first three years of the course though I was like oh I don't know how I feel about it I guess um I don't know how I fit and it wasn't until fourth year we had an occupational science class and things started to be like, aha, okay, now I see how we could use OT um, on, on a bigger level, I suppose, for what, what fits for me. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. was it more than just that you didn't really know what OT did or was it just that what you were being taught just didn't make any sense until that point or a bit of both? A bit of both. And I think I wouldn't have, I didn't feel maybe the placements that I got to do or for me particularly, um, it wasn't, it felt like it was missing something. Um, what settings did you get to check out? Like it would be like at the hospitals, um, yep. acute or even some community-based stuff. Um, but it felt as though what was OT's grounded in was bigger than what I was doing in those placements, I suppose. But it wasn't until doing that occupational science class and the lecturer she's still a mentor of mine now that got me really thinking about how we can address particular injustices that are faced by people in the community or human beings in general it is a uniquely human thing I suppose um so they say yeah yeah (laughs) so suffer from social injustices but yeah it wasn't it wasn't until Till that sort of pulled it all together for me, I could, I could see what I could do with it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and create more change, I guess. Mm. So what? So coming out of uni, what was like your interest area? What was your like? Yep, this is what I'm going to do straight out of uni, kind of. It's definitely pediatrics. Okay. I um, I've always worked with kids, uh, even before OT. It's just sort of been the population group that I gravitate towards I suppose and I connect with uh as opposed to other population groups quite as much yeah but um so I worked in early intervention uh and then I worked in vision okay and vision related for pediatrics um and then yeah more 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 pediatrics in private practices and just uh moved around a fair few places actually up and down the east coast of australia um it's all been pediatrics that was yeah. your, the passion and that's where you yeah stayed. it really yeah pretty much yeah found it stuck with it so yeah. obviously the 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 reason i found you was because of surfing the spectrum which i found mm. on insta I see, i'm assuming that's a surfing the spectrum shirt that you're wearing now it is with the it logo is. and everything Yep. Nice. Um, how did that come about? Cause it's, it's a, it seems awesome from what I've seen. How did that come about? That has definitely grown after a, a number of years. I suppose we, when I was studying, 
I was working at a surf school in Newcastle um, and every year there was an annual surfers for autism event um, here and I would volunteer as a surf coach and as an OT student um, for those days and found them just the energy surrounding those days was incredible it was amazing to be able to participate in them Um, and then myself and the co-founder of Surfing the Spectrum, Talia, she's a disability support worker, me being the OT. And we just had this feeling. It was like, well, this is great. Like, this is amazing, but we need this more often. Mm, more like, than once we, a we, year. Yeah, we yeah. need this more than once a year. And, and where else can we share this with? And it started off just in, with that sort of idea, I suppose. Um, and we must have set up a few events initially and we just did them on Facebook, um, little Facebook event, <laughs> and the we how many spots? Fifty spots, I think we put up for families. Um, and after fifteen minutes, they're all gone. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, oh, okay, all right. Here's another fifty spots, and then like fifteen minutes gone. Um, and it was not only from the participant side of things, but also from the volunteers. They were very adamant that they wanted more of this. Um, and it's safe to say at all of our events, we've always got more volunteers than we need. So we'd started creating something that was fulfilling a need within the community for more than one population group. Mm. Um, and it just seemed, <laughs> I was going to say easy. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> But with ease, I suppose, like yep. it, it flowed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of how it started. And we just idea after idea and we've sort of built upon it in that sense to be now up and down the East Coast. So just to give people a rundown, like, so you say you set up events, like what, what does, what is an event? What does an event entail? Yeah. Yes. So these are surf therapy events for children and youth with autism. And we, at the moment are running events between Byron Bay and Gerringong has been this summer uh, and we go and partner with a local surf school uh, and then we will connect the local community services, whether they're OT services or um, support work services, um, through our sort of network to bring them together for the event on the day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a free event. So the kids will come down uh, for their 30-minute time slot usually, roundabout, depending on how long they want to stay. Uh, and we brief all the volunteers that come down, so whether they're from local board riders, um, local OT or psychology services, um, local surfers, uh, and brief them on what's going to happen for the day. And we pair them up with their surfers, the kids, um, and it's not so much about surfing it's just an experience I suppose for them to try something new and to be supported in a safe environment to to do so yeah that's awesome and is it is it uh like is the inclusion criteria like is it specifically kids with autism or is it open to other people sometimes or Uh, so yes so at the moment this is our third year and um we have been specifically working with kids with autism but this has been only because we don't want to get too big for our boots, I suppose, if that makes sense. It would be, um, I guess, as, as an occupational therapist and going through those stages, you see these kids with um, ADHD or ADD or some developmental delays that just get left behind or fall through the cracks all the time because they don't get the funding and it is my very big desire dream back there to include a lot of other population groups too we've just sort of decided that we needed to start small in order to get all our processes in place first yeah. um, there's a lot there's been a lot to learn that's uh that's for sure sounds like in starting small it is a lot bigger already than you were expecting initially yes yeah, yes, <laughs> a lot bigger. I think at our Newcastle events, we have about 150 families. Oh, wow. <laughs> and massive. so, it, yeah, for a day. Um, and what we do is we include their siblings too. There's not many events, there's not many things 
or activities that as a family they can all do together. Yeah, and that's uh, important. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And the siblings often give up a lot of their time to do things for the, the sibling that needs more assistance. Yep. Um, and then to be able to go away and share share something together, yeah. So I was going to ask then. Ah, so is there anything with regards to, I guess, specifically looking at autism and looking at surfing that I guess they work well together? Like what is it about surfing that sort of, I guess, has made that link with uh, kids with autism so obviously massively because, you know, there's so many kids coming out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been really interesting – so we, as an organisation, have joined the International Surf Therapy Organisation. Uh, we went to a conference last year and there were organisations from around the world that are working with different population groups and using surf therapy as it's the same way that we would say, you know, occupation as a means or yep. surfing is the vehicle for what people are using this therapy for. And yeah. we had people with um, working in mental health or with physical disabilities um veterans whatever it might be um and they were all having the same outcomes everyone's having the same outcomes no matter what the population group is it's something about um i guess that's what everyone's trying to find out a little bit more about that's what everyone's trying to accumulate all this research um to understand more why it is that it's working but i suppose specifically um in our experience there is understanding the world as a sensory world Mm. that when you're in the ocean it's being immersed completely and utterly within that world and for these kids a lot of them find it alleviates a lot of those um things that may be causing them more distress i suppose from a sensory level um whether it's the proprioception or whatnot that we get from the waves crashing all of the kids, I've got these kids that I do one-on-one sessions with down at the beach too now and half the session is just running into the waves and running into the waves and <laughs> running into the waves and, and, and having that, that sort of input. Um, there's the, some of the kids enjoying the feeling of the sand um, or just the weight of our body and how differently it might be in the water. Uh, I think it's, it involves every single sense all at once I think as a and I find that in nature in general working with not just kids with autism but any population group that you're trying to work with as a therapist I find getting more out of them in in nature but I think that the one thing with the ocean is it's so encompassing of everything I suppose like it's so it surrounds you and consumes you completely um which has a greater impact in some ways I suppose and it's interesting that I need to do more understanding here too, research-wise. I'd love to do the difference between when I'm doing one-on-one sessions with kids and when it's like in a group event with all the volunteers around. But for these kids, if they have tactile sensitivities and aversions to the seaweed, mm-hmm. to the sand, it's their their desire to surf is so much stronger. Oh, really? So they don't have to touch it. They, I guess their desire to do this occupation, to participate in surfing is so strong that they... Oh, stronger than the... Oh, I get you, yeah. yeah. Stronger, stronger than the aversion. aversion. Yeah. Yeah, which it's really hard to find something. Yeah. When you're working yeah. with kids, it's going to be as motivating um, to get them to overcome those things step by step. But I find that with surfing, it's so easy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think, like... We were talking earlier, um, like we have some mutual people we know that also do, you know, private practice, like you were saying before, in nature, outdoors. Mm. And I, yeah. the one difference I see with the surfing is I guess the water's probably the one thing besides, I guess, going into space where you can grade down how much pressure is put through joints because everything yes. else, you know, you're starting with gravity, you're starting with body weight. Yeah. And working up. So um, like we know, and they've been on the podcast before, Sense Rugby, they they have yeah. a, a private practice looking at rugby. So everything, yeah. looking at it from a sensory point of view, everything for them is body weight and gravity and then plus 
contact with pads and that sort of stuff. So it's sort Mm. of from there upwards with the water, you have the opportunity to grade down as well. Yeah. Because you can, you know, feel lighter than what gravity makes it feel. Yeah. And particularly for these kids who some of them, their understanding of gravity or their like gravity bound sense Mm -hmm. or our Mm -hmm. vestibular sense is, is either over or under responsive in different ways. So it is a completely different, different feeling Mm. for them. Yeah. Do you find that has any impact, even just looking at that, has any impact on their ability to, uh, I guess, improve things like balance and that kind of thing? Yeah. I find that the kids that I'm working with at the moment and and their willingness to when we're hmm, – when we're building their skills to, to, to go to stand up, I suppose, on a surfboard and, and the balance required for that task, um, the adaptive responses that I'm seeing coming from the kids are improving at a rate that I haven't seen so much in the clinic um, and those postural adjustments that they're making um, as they're responding to this environment that's changing around them because you've got to be able to respond to this ever-changing environment because no two ways are the same, no two yeah no two days at the beach are the same which is also really difficult on an emotional regulation (laughs) level when we've got some events poor Newcastle they've really suffered this summer um we've had to cancel two of our events because of hurricanes yes yeah fires Mm. and cyclones and whatnot and um it's really hard to deal with when you're expecting something to happen and actually we can't we can't do it mother nature says no I find that hard to deal with I know yeah, <laughs> I know. So do we. So it's it's hard lesson to learn. But um, same for these kids when they're coming down and and maybe the last week there were certain um, certain waves or conditions that were really conducive and great for learning, and the next week they're not that great. Yeah, and having to cope with having to cope with that um, is another thing that that they're forced to have to learn I suppose. <laughs> yep. um, <laughs> yeah through mother nature but there are all these um postural adjustments and different corrections that i see them making on the waves as they're going to stand up and their balance improving um their their postural stability and i suppose i focus on that more when i'm working with the kids one-on-one yep. but for surf for surfing the spectrum as events the main focus and this is when I'm briefing the volunteers, when they're coming down, some of them have never really worked with kids with autism. They may not have much association with kids with autism or, mm-hmm. or know much about autism at all. So it's a very foreign world for them. So the main focus for us is around building that awareness, but then in helping them understand that all we need to do is create a safe space. So yep. if that's all that the focus is for them to do so that they can then enjoy and have a good time that that's it that's all we want because you're not going to make the same within any therapeutic um, setting or relationship you're not going to um, make improvements or um, there's no there's no not going to be any great change unless someone feels safe yeah so that's just step one that's awesome so just Hmm. going back to what you were saying before about like you looking at postural adjustments and seeing improvement with that Hmm. with the surfing um, and you said it's you're seeing it more than in the clinic. So in the clinic, what might be an example of something you would get a kid to do to work on that in a clinic setting that, you know, obviously the surfing is surfing. What would you do in the clinic? Yeah, yeah, and it's probably great. I've got one kid that I used to see a bit more in the clinic and now I see him at the beach. But it depends on the kid too. It has to be whatever is motivating for them to do in the clinic. So I guess from an SI point of view, it's got to be child-led. So they, whatever their interests might be, but some of the activities I must have been doing with this one kid, we had like the gym ball and the trapeze and balancing on the gym ball, holding onto the trapeze and making those postural adjustments so that we're staying balanced. And then we'd throw in another ball and play like soccer. While balancing on a ball and holding onto it, like whatever it might be, that's gonna. (laughs) It was a bit like it was a bit like a circus. (laughs) Whatever was going to keep him interested, Um, but he he loved it and he really was enjoying it. But 
I notice more engagement from him, more attunement from him and I when we're in the water and we're making these conversations around, oh, what are we doing? Or why did we fall off? Whereas um, his understanding about why he fell off in the clinic for some reason, not quite so um, invested maybe, um, or his care factor so much. Whereas this is an occupation, I suppose, surfing-wise that he really wants to do yep. and he wants to get better at. Um and he is more, maybe more willing to think about it because it's still led by him. I'd still be saying, oh, we fell off. Why do you think that we fell off? Yep. Yeah. Um, where were our feet on the surfboard? Or, you know, how quickly did we stand up? How are we standing? Like, the, the, in, in, so he's still got the same opportunity for responses, but he's more invested. Yeah. I often wonder with things like that because I mean I see examples of that in every practice area where you know you Mm. can do it in this really clinical way or you can do it in an occupation-based way and I often wonder whether or not the one of the differences is so with the surfing for example there's this bigger outcome of mastery like you know like you said he wants to get better he wants to be able to you know probably surf the big waves like he sees on YouTube or on TV that kind of thing Whereas in the clinic, even the balancing on the ball, for example, like he wants to like, like what, what's the outcome? Like to get better at balancing on the ball and holding a trapeze? Yeah. Like what's the, yeah. I guess what's the outcome other than like for, from the OT point of view, you know, oh, he's going to have improved core stability yeah. and reactions yeah. and that kind of stuff and balance. And for him, it's like, well, What's this going to do? Yeah. For me? Like, am I going to join? Yeah. If he wanted to join the circus, maybe that was different. Then maybe he'd be like exactly, super motivated exactly. to do and something suppose, like that. And still in the clinic space, you get the opportunities for, and uh, I get a lot of what kids do is play based and they're going to come up with new games or mm-hmm. what could they do with different tools or equipment or play with a ball or in that sense as well that doesn't have a so much of a purpose and purpose is innately for, for play. Mm-hmm. But I think what I've also found is there's this age group of of boys that I've been seeing in the clinic 10 to 13, 14, and they're sort of starting to want to do other things. And it is a lot more occupation-based, but we still need to work on a lot of these skills. Mm. Um, And I've found surfing to be a great way to draw them in. It's a very big motivating, motivating factor for them. Yeah. Fulfills a lot of their sensory needs, works on a lot of those, um, core and postural stability skills and balance of building mastery and learning something new um, and engaging them with the rhythm and timing of an environment, of a natural environment as well. Uh, I suppose uh, lots of kids with autism we see, it's like they sort of mm, dance or beat to a different rhythm at times. And, you know, we use a lot of other tools, whether it's auditory tools, um, and engaging them and all their other senses, I suppose, in their nervous system. But I find nature being the best way to do that, or the ocean in this sense, yeah. and the timing of the waves or when to jump over the waves or when to jump on the board or things like that. Yeah, yeah. And so you've been going for three years at this point. Have you seen, uh, like, say, some of the kids coming through that whole time? So you've been able to, like, I guess, see improvement in them? Mm. Yeah, and we've even got this summer's been funny because we've done so. This has been our biggest summer, so being from um, the most events, and we've had a family, family from Jeringong. They've travelled like five hours to come up to one of our events, and families from Western Sydney that are coming up and down the east coast and and following us because they get so much out of it. But uh, definitely, we've had one boy. He's got his surfboard shaped now, um, and he's got all the names of all the people that have helped him on his on his surfboard yeah yeah um like his local op service the local surf school we made it on there um (laughs) but you know for mum she was saying there was times they couldn't even used to drive past the beach without a meltdown yeah now you can't get him out of the water and surfing and catching waves on his own yeah and and i suppose being more from the aim of surfing the spectrum will be as we grow that it needs to be a sustainable um, sustainable organisation and yep. a sustainable model, yeah. It's great to do events in a location, but then to not come back for another six months isn't really sustainable for anyone 
there when they've got they get there and they're like wow that was great whether it's the volunteers that think it's great or it's the um the kids and the families that think it's great they shouldn't have to wait six months yeah to then have another event so i'm working at the moment to develop an autism informed training package for the surf schools that we onboard to our events uh that way they can then take these kids on throughout the year um, a lot of the surf schools have said to us, not all of them, um, but some of them feeling a bit uncomfortable or unsure how to run a lesson or what would make it work well. So yep. that being a bit of a gap. And if I can fill that gap, if we can fill that gap, then these kids are going to have an opportunity to be included in this more so. so yeah. And see those skills improve. Yeah. A lot quicker. So moving more into that, I guess, community development role a little yes. bit to try and I guess upskill the, the surf schools. Yeah, that's it. What's that saying? Feeder? No. What is it? The fisherman one. Hmm. Yeah. Teach a man to fish. Give him, give him, yeah, yeah. Give a man to fish, fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach him to fish and he'll eat, I don't know. A lifetime. Either that or he'll tell stories about the one that got away or something. That's right. Yeah. But I guess that's being, <laughs> that being more of an ethos for what we want to we wanna create, more of an abundance idea that the more people that we can upskill, the more people are going to be able to be in the water. So when you yeah. run when you run the events at obviously you're based in Newcastle you, oh well not obviously but I'm assuming you're based in Newcastle yes yep yes. and you run the events at other locations do you get other I guess clinicians interested in coming down like other OTs or yeah is it mainly just the families and the surf clubs no lots of other clinicians as well um, and lots of it is usually OTs and it's funny when I went to the um, International Surf Therapy Organization we went to the conference last year I feel like half the people in the room were all OTs and we all got together I was like you're an OT too and you're an OT too and it was like oh it just fits we're Perfect all using fit. surfing as the as this vehicle yeah and it just yep that's us so we find definitely lots of uh, OTs and some psychologists as well lots of disability support workers too yeah. Is it mainly people who, I guess, already surf? No. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's just people that think, this sounds like a good idea. Can I be involved? And we don't really ever want to turn people away if they want to they want to help out for whatever capacity, especially if they've got skills and, and therapeutic skills. There's so many roles to be on the beach yep. and, and talking with the families and, and greeting the kids and making them feel comfortable and safe and heard. Yeah. That's a huge role. So just surfing. wow. That's a fun bit though. Mm. <laughs> oh, so at the moment, uh, surfing the spectrum, not set up as a business, is it? Or is it not for profit or not for profit charity? organization yeah and you're aiming to i guess keep it that way and grow it or is there any uh goal in the future to not necessarily with surfing the spectrum but to turn surfing into your own business you said you were seeing some kids one-on-one is that through private practice or yeah yeah just through through private work um myself i think we've often thought about it everyone always approaches us with surfing the spectrum being like oh have you, you got to be NDIS registered? Are you going to do this or that? And we're like, no, we don't, we don't want to be. We, we, that's not what we want to do, I suppose. Sometimes money fails to connect gifts and needs. Um, and I think this is such an opportunity that for me, maybe I get to see it being on this side of it, uh, but it's been such an opportunity for me to see that, we are innately good. And I think at a time in the global climate where you might, might be hard to see that and realise that in other ways, but I just spent the last week at a um, surf, um, a surf comp with the, one of the partners, um, one of the major sponsors decided to um, use their marketing budget to go towards supporting a charity and they chose us. And then, you know, yeah, we just um, somehow pulled together a raffle with uh, one of the local artists was doing live artwork for the whole I week did see for that. us. I did see yeah. the post. The, that's a cool, is it paint or is it drawing? It's paint. That's so cool. Yeah. And then, you know, enough people over a week bought raffle tickets to make $8,000 and everyone wow. just wants to 
be involved or, or do good. And I think, and at, I have an opportunity here and we have an opportunity to surf in the spectrum to be able to provide that for everyone that wants to be involved in our organisation, whether you're a participant or whether you're a volunteer or you're a family member, whether you're a sponsor, whatever it might be. But we, we are innately good. And when we are... We, we do have a desire invariably to be kind to one another, but when we feel safe and without fear. Yep. And that's not something I suppose that we see a lot in society these days. Everyone's living in a state of, of fear um, and no one feels safe mm. and we're all responding in a fight or flight response. But if we ever want to make sustainable or great change, we need to create a space where people feel safe. So that is the goal of what serving the spectrum is and i think so far we've been we've been achieving it um and i just wanted to stay that way yeah and money and business wise um as a non-for-profit yeah money comes into it as long as we have enough to keep us keep, going keep the lights yeah. On. yeah yeah exactly um and and it is sustainable but i would like to do more stuff, yes, privately as well um, and continuing continuing that side of things as well. Uh, I see surfing the spectrum as my um, social change sort of project and, and changing aspects of the world in that sense from an occupational science, occupational justice point of view that is really important for me yep. Um, yep. and really grounded in OT and how as an OT we can create something like surfing the spectrum and because of the skills that we have that's the sort of work that we can do and create but i also as <laughs> as a pediatric therapist want to work one-on-one with kids you know every week and i want to develop these skills um and and within um that are innately within each of these kids more intensively so yes i do have a few plans up my i just have too many things i want to do that's not a bad Projects. thing. <laughs> I'm the same. Yeah. I just need to get yeah. sort of like delegating them out because I can come up with all these ideas, but I'm probably not the best person to implement most of them. <laughs> yeah, I get so excited about all the things that can be done and, and what I can possibly achieve. Yeah. Mm. Do them one by yeah. one. Start just at the start and work your way down the list. Yeah. Yeah, but I suppose, yeah, serving the spectrum being more about how can we shift our perspective, not so much what can I get but what can I give from everyone that's there. And you, you just see it from, yeah, from the parents or the kids and what they can all give. And everyone's giving something when they come on that day. Yeah. And it's a very it's a very different model of, of working, I suppose. Um, yeah. As opposed to one where what can I get? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is your westernized medical model that's it that's it and it's only sustainable for so long isn't it same with our economy it's only sustainable until that sort of system collapses um but any form of that sort of natural wealth or community and social um institution um that's more of a vehicle for that conversion of um life into money and then what's going to provide after money like that's that's what we want to create yep that's awesome. So mm. with your referrals that you're doing one-on-one, how does mm. that referral come in? It was like you just get a referral to take a kid surfing or <laughs> you just go, oh, no, this kid could deal with some surfing. It's, yeah, well, I... <laughs> how, did, how did you wrangle that gig? It sounds amazing. <laughs> um, how? I don't know. <laughs> I'm very lucky. I've got... Um, small caseload at the moment that I see um, only a small number of kids, which is nice to keep it that way. Uh, and it's just been maybe they've come through surfing the spectrum events and they've done a few and um, they've wanted more. And here I am being like, well, I think I'm going to do this. And So it's, you wanna... your pro- so it's your private practice? Yeah. Ah, okay. It's my private practice. I thought you'd so like convince like... some boss somewhere that, no, this is a good idea. Let's do this. Like, that would be great that too. would be the magic formula if you could yeah share that knowledge yeah yeah no i'm just just my own private practice yeah for now um and i'm like i think i'm gonna do this i think i'm gonna i think we could do this but i think we could do it in the water do you want to come and try and i've just had a few families that are like oh yeah let's give it a shot 
and so far it's probably been yeah more effective than what we've we've been able to achieve now with when you're practicing something like that because i know a lot of pediatric therapists because i don't know i don't know why i know a lot of pediatric therapists (laughs) but one of the big things that I don't understand half of the things they say, but one of the big things they're always talking about is this assessment and that assessment and, you know, all this. Is there any standardized assessments that can be used or that you use in the ocean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not so much in the ocean, but still being able to do assessments before we get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Still using the same ones. And then, using surfing and then doing the same standardized assessments at at the end. Yeah. Yeah. To measure change. And is your private practice also like essentially jazz kids with autism as well, or is it wider? No, it's wider. So have you worked with anyone other than like anyone else who doesn't have autism in the ocean? I have, yes. And I do. And I suppose in, at the moment in private practice wise, it's been mainly in regards to um, autism or ADHD or some developmental delays. But my, my best friend who I grew up surfing with um, when we were like, I don't know, from the age of 14 to up yep. and we go surfing every morning together. She, um, she had a car accident actually when I was in year 12, she was having her gap year. And so she's now a classified quadriplegic, but yes, has has movement in her arms. Um, I'm actually going down to visit her next week in Sydney at uh, Coleroy. There's such incredible adaptive equipment that's out there these days. And so she's got a jet-powered surfboard. No way. Yeah. So um, (laughs) I'm really excited. So (laughs) this is the first time I'm getting to uh, go out with her and and take her surfing. Um, I hope she's going to let me if she's brave enough. <laughs> she's pretty brave. She's probably the bravest person I know. Um, so in, in that regard, I'd like to grow more skills in, in other areas, but it has majority been, um, yeah, kids with more neurological. Shit. Surfboard. I'm going to have to look yeah. that up. Yeah, you will. It is pretty incredible. Um, so it just is in that sense of getting back out to the break and the back of the waves they can just um i've forgotten what the brand is called yeah obviously quite rather expensive but so does it and she sits on it or lies down on a okay. like in prone yeah yep, prone okay. position um and then she'd have someone obviously on the board with her because if she fell she would yeah be in trouble um yeah be in a lot of trouble so yeah just lies on the board and that's powers her out through the waves and then to catch the waves someone else helps to the then get her on yeah that's wicked yeah why, why doesn't everyone use that you could <laughs> well, use that for well, your 800 meter thing do, I, yeah. I could i could <laughs> look i can do this this well, is easy guys, yeah. I don't even need to paddle just pretend yeah. yeah just pretend while you're doing like 30 knots yeah <laughs> yeah um oh, going yeah. over to um america as well for the um surf therapy conference there was some other adaptive equipment and gear that people were using um like the chairs on the big suck boards so that their kids can sit upright some of the kids with yep. other disabilities um and and the modifications that are made there are a lot of population groups particularly it's rather big over in the states working with the veterans yeah, um, I've, I've seen some. I'm sure I've seen a documentary or something about that. Mm, yeah, it was great to meet some of them as well. And from a mental health point of view, but also um, amputees Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Because so I think I, yeah. I, I mentioned when we first connected, like I used to work on the Gold Coast, uh, at the Gold Coast Hospital. And there used to be, it wasn't run by us, but it was run by, I think, one of the not-for-profits down there. They used to do like a surfing group, I think it was once or twice a week uh, for mental health consumers. And that yeah. was the first time I'd ever gone, oh, this is wicked. And this this yeah. would have been 2009-ish. Yeah. Um, but even like so the guys that I worked with that were attending that group, like the difference in even just 
like self-confidence. Yes. It was huge. Yes. And it's like, well, I don't, and I'll sit there and watch them because I'd come down for like the last <laughs> to pick them up and I'd be like, you're out there. I don't I work it out. I mean, I was never a surfer. I just, there's no wave. Yeah. There's no waves up here. So it's pretty hard to yeah, be a surfer yes, growing yes, up up yes, here. True. Um, true. But yeah, just the, and like, so they would, the group was, they would go out, they would surf. It was pretty early. I think it was six or something. They'd surf till sort of 7.30ish and then they'd all sit down at the beach. I think this was usually at Burley. Um, and they'd sit down at the beach and have breakfast together. Like they'd bring yeah. cereal and whatever else and yeah. they'd all have breakfast together but like at the end of the group. And I think that group above pretty much anything, there used to be a lot of groups for all different things back in then. Yeah. And uh, I think that group above anything else I ever saw had probably the biggest impact on people's, you know, the rest of their week. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Like even just yeah. getting people, like there's people that were generally like super quiet and wouldn't barely say anything and you'd put them in the car afterwards and they just took your ear off. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. There's um, a book by Wallace J. Nichols called Blue Mind um, and he is more an ecologist but sort of also has been looking at what do these blue spaces offer, I suppose, from a mental health point of view okay. and, and from yeah. a global point of view and how we, we relate to the rest of the world. But he he's brilliant. I recommend that book, Blue Mind. Blue Mind. Nichols. It's I'll great. Have to look it up. Yeah, yeah, and understanding what those spaces do to our well-being and to our state of being. Yep. Mm, how awesome. it positively influences. Yeah. I just, wow. I just found a thing full of jet board called Jet Oh, did you? <laughs> They look awesome. Yeah. Yep. They're not anything like what I pictured. pictured oh, like, yes, true. I pictured yeah. like a jet ski without the big handlebar thing, but they're like actually mm. quite thin. Yep. Surfboards. Small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the jet. Yeah. That's wicked. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of the photos that are on here are presumably able-bodied using them. I know, like I fun, know. There are some photos, like there's a guy here, he must be doing something that's just a picture, but he's got a full helmet on, so whatever he's doing is probably going pretty fast. But mm. he's he's got a prosthetic leg on. Yeah. Um, But it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Jet surf. Huh. Well, there you go. Jet surf, yeah. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Yeah. I had... um. That just got me remembering too. Like I once took a bunch of um, children that I was working with uh, who had vision impairments as well and I was like, I'm going to take them surfing because why not take everyone else surfing? We can take them surfing. Um, And it was actually a little bit hard from the HR people saying like, oh, no, you can't take them. and You can't take them in um, open water. And I was like, oh. Why not? I think I can. Um, that'll be fine. Um, and I'm really glad that I did. It was so amazing to watch them move in the water. And then I think it was Matt Thompson. He came down. He was he's an Olympic. Um, it's a bike riding, bike riding. But he also surfs. He's in the adaptive surf team as well. And okay. he he's got a significant vision impairment. Um, and watching how he talked about how he surfs without vision. Yeah. And then watching these kids, there was one boy that I would constantly take out and the euphoric joy he got from it was just unbelievable. But just explaining to him what was happening or, or what everyone else was doing. But his a- ability to time the jump, when to jump over the waves from just from listening and understanding the rhythm of the ocean in that yeah. sense and what other senses take over and we can utilise for them to be able to participate. Yeah, it was such an amazing opportunity and experience, particularly when people are like, oh, no, you can't take blind kids surfing. So, yes, we can. Why not? Why not? <laughs> As if and they, like, like can't do if you can't see the ocean, you can't go in it. I'm like, well. Yeah, or you can't experience the same joy. Yeah, they have just as much opportunity or right to experience the joy that we experience. There's probably being tenfold more. It's like, you know, if you went down a slippery dip and you closed your eyes, that drop feel. Yeah would be like tenfold. It's the same if you're going down a wave. Oh, gosh, that rush would be huge. I think, I wonder, I do wonder though, if you'd have more or less fear. 
not being able to see it. I suppose if you, yeah. I, I suppose I would assume that if you, you know, had had vision issues your whole life or had for a very long time, you probably, I guess that would be the norm. Yeah. Which I guess for me is yeah. kind of hard to get my head around because it's not my norm. Because, but yeah, it'd be interesting. It's mm. fascinating to read something about that, actually. Someone, yeah. should, someone should do some research on it. Someone should. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, there's so many things that I would love to do. Yeah, you've got a lot of research to do. I know, I know. <laughs> and I'd, I'd love to do it from the point of view with the, with the kids when I'm one. I'd love to really understand what's happening with our volunteers, like their, their capacity. I think they're such an interesting population group that – whether it's the parents that say or, or, or whoever it is, but the ability these surfers have to connect with these kids with autism, it's I, you don't often see it, I suppose. Um, and I just want to understand more so, more so what's going on. It's like they're speaking the same language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think we do a lot of surveys, I suppose, trying to find out some information, like what are we doing well, what are we not doing well yep. um, from the parents, but... They're all, all reporting that they're obviously grateful for having a space where they're not judged, um, where they can feel safe to come to the beach with, and, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen and they're going to be supported to do so. But just the, the patience and the kindness of all the volunteers um, to, to, that they have with their kids, I suppose, and it is that patience. And I don't know what component of that is coming through from them being surfers or what the surfing population has um and understanding why it connects so with these kids with autism but i would that would be the kind of research that i would love to do (laughs) that would be awesome have Mm. you have you found so i did a podcast with the guys from sense rugby as you know and one of the things that they were saying was that uh like they they had a lot of kids initially who would come into the program and had you know never touched a rugby ball, never watched a game, but then all of a sudden, uh, like, essentially became fans of the sport as well as doing that. Jesse was saying, like, he had some of the kids because he plays for Australia and had some of the kids would, like, message him before games and say good luck and that sort of stuff. Have you found similar with um, surfing the spectrum? Like, you've, like you said before, like, if you had people come down that, you know, had never surfed, had never seen it, uh, obviously down in your part of the world, surfing competitions are a, a much bigger thing. Obviously, like I said, up here, there's no waves, so we don't have surfing competitions. But mm. has engaging in the, I guess, the sport as a whole been something that you've noticed from some of the kids that you've, that attend? Yeah, yeah, 100%. We probably have the same same responses, yeah, Carleen and Jesse with the sense rugby stuff um, and, and what they're doing we've got kids that yeah obviously had never come down to the beach before surf before and you know all of a sudden next time we see them they've bought their own surfboard they've got a wetsuit um they're chomping at the bit whenever they can to get to the beach and some of these kids live yeah an hour or two inland as well and so there's kids that um yeah they came down for the they'd all come down to the surf comp last week and and came and checked it out and see who's going on and all the pros that were there and um really getting involved in the surf culture and the surf community. Yeah, yeah, we're finding that. Because I think that's that to me, I think a lot of these, well, not a lot of these, a lot of uh, diagnoses, like you said before with the, the um, people with vision impairment, like there's this almost this, uh, I guess, societal separation of you guys can't do mm. that kind of thing and I think, the one of the things that really struck me with the sense rugby guys is uh, the kids getting involved in the culture of rugby and obviously surfing, uh, like I live down that way, surfing's a massive culture in that part of the world down that sort Huge. of, you know, so- southern Queensland, pretty much the whole eastern coast of East New South Wales <laughs> and all the way down till it gets too yeah. cold to get in the water, I guess, but... Us, even then. even then, get a thicker wetsuit, but that's right. It, it, there's I, a there is a definite. I, I found working on the Gold Coast, you could, without being anywhere near the water, you could pick like even the people that I was working with, like staff, you could pick which ones were surfers. Yes, there, there's yeah. a certain culture, there's a certain, I guess, way of speaking, there's a certain yeah. 
uh, way they move. Way they move. There's a certain way they yeah. everything. Um, yeah. It's almost. It is a such a strong culture. It's almost like all encompassing into for most for many of the people that I knew uh, into every aspect of their lives. So I could imagine yeah. that. Oh right. Yeah. For clearly, it's so, become my. It's become my wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. See, it's literally every part of your life. Yeah. Now. But I think yeah. for for kids that might have previously or might still um, be, I guess, social or isolated due to social expectations or social trash, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, yeah. Getting involved in a culture that's so strong must be such a massive change. But yeah, you know, I can't even imagine how much benefit they'd get purely and simply from if they never even got in the water, just being involved in that that culture i agree i think you're spot on i think that as well these um these kids not having had exposure to the surf community maybe the surf community previously haven't had exposure to this population group as well there's so much growth on each Mm. on each end um and expanding both of their ideas around what it is to be a human being which is great yeah that's true yeah, because I've always found, obviously, when I worked on the Gold Coast, a lot of the people that I worked with, so OTs, nurses, everyone, a lot of them surfed. Yeah. Um, but I've always found from my, I guess, outsider's perspective of the community, it's always been a very, I guess, kind of open-minded and accepting community of, uh, I guess, differences. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's, you know instance anyone can come up with an example where that's an exception but i think on the whole my experience looking at it from the outside that's what i've noticed yeah so i think i would agree for uh for those kids i don't think you could pick a better population of people to to get involved with really this is true yeah and i guess surfing i think like we said before from a sensory point of view, it's the complete immersion of your body and your mind into nature. Yeah. You, so you, you can't you can't surf without being connected to nature in some way. It forces you um, forces you to connect like, like your own rhythms and and glide with that awareness into the natural rhythms of what the sea and the environment around you is doing. So you need to have some level of awareness or presence to be able to surf. Otherwise, it's nearly impossible to do. And I think that's why in the surfing community there's a lot of um, environmental activism that's taking mm. place and you see a lot of that coming, you know, don't like fight for the bite and all the stuff that was occurring around, um, yeah, in, environmental change because we, we are so immersed in the natural environment that it's, it's a part of us that we need to protect as well and that that's a really strong component and that's how it gets so much encompassing of all aspects of your life. Mm. Surfing becomes everything because it, it, it can't, it can't not. And I think for these kids too, I remember one comment from a, um, one of the surfers in the survey and they must've been like, Oh, this is our first time. I wasn't really sure how the kids were going to go or what they were going to be able to do. Like hadn't been around kids with autism. Yeah. You know, like I was so, I was so surprised. I was like, they were just as good as any of the other kids. I was like, Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's um no, it is a good opportunity. And, and that patience or that understanding, um, the acceptance. I mean, I, there's all those things that you have to learn when you're surfing you know you can't if the surf's bad the surf's bad if you've got to wait for a wave you've got to wait for a wave like yeah. you can't do anything about it and i think that just seeps out a lot within the surfing population and, and the surfing community and something that is well received by these kids with autism i think a lot of the i guess uh, i was gonna say adventurous but a, a lot of the <laughs> really uh what I would say like really, really occupation-based private practices or projects like this, like Sense Rugby, uh, like mm. a, quite a few others. One thing I, I noticed the benefit of doing things in this occupation-based paradigm is, yes, you might be targeting one thing. Like, for example, the kid might be working on you know, postural stability or something. Correct. But 
in the process of working on that, the, I guess, peripheral benefits that they also get from engaging in that occupation almost outweigh, you know, the one or two things that you're actually like there to work on. Yeah. So 100%. like you're talking about with the, like there's a, there's a whole range of other physical benefits from the surfing. Plus there's, you know, there's, there'd be self-esteem benefits from being involved yeah. in something and connected to something and engaging in a culture. There's social benefits from some of these kids might not actually get out and be able to interact and, you know, play and talk and just be with not just other kids, but adults yeah. as well. Um, the the yeah any any time I see truly occupation based practice, I love it. And one of the reasons I love it is, like I said, the the unintentional benefits often far outweigh what you're actually there to work on. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And I think those things are so. Oh, sometimes I feel like they're they're so much more important. I don't know if you can put them in any way, but it is, that is so much more than just taking kids surfing, you know, it's, it's providing that opportunity through that connection, connection with, with the volunteers, connection with um, other kids, their own age, um, connection to nature, um, that joy and delight that they experience from every person that's there and Mm. involved. Like it's, it's um, yeah. What, what they get from that experience. Um, Their confidence, uh, self-esteem, I agree. And once they start to see these things that they can do or they could do, that they then start to try things that are going to then, on the offhand, going to improve their posture, stability, or core support because they're like, actually, I'm going to try that again. Can I do that? And then they feel good about themselves. They're going to do more of it. It's the so same, then it just it's happens the naturally. Anyone. Exactly. Exactly. It is exactly the same with anyone. That's And, that's, yeah. and it's the same for, you know, human just humans in general good or bad habits it doesn't matter which you're looking at if it feels good you're probably going to do more of it and <laughs> that's right to a fault or you know or otherwise that's generally how we're wired so yeah it just speaks natural that that's the way these kids are going to react as well so if you can like you said create a safe space and yeah. create an environment where yeah they're going to end up working on these things yeah. they're going to do it in a way that they really enjoy and it's fun and yeah. they love it, then yeah. they're going to want to do it more, which is going yeah. to amplify the, the progress and the progression. Precisely. And that's the same thing around education, I suppose, kids. Um, and it's so, why it is so important for things to remain remain play-based and how they learn and, and motivated. Like I think it's really it does make me upset. And even my age going to school, like when kids don't like going to school, and I'm probably the same too, but clearly we're doing something wrong. If a kid doesn't want to go to school to learn, what's what's going on? Like this is the most exciting thing to be able to learn new things and build upon your skills or whatever it might be, then what a great opportunity to, to learn. And then we're obviously doing something yeah. quite right if they're not wanting to go. If kids are not wanting to learn. When that's their, that's their job within play, is is learning how to be and how to move and how to act and how to groove, whatever. Yeah. It's because you're making things too much fun outside of school. That's why. <sighs> yes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So is is there an educational component to it? Because I know like there's a lot of safety things mm. around being able to read the ocean or is that sort of stuff that like you would take care of and just make sure it's safe for the kids or are you there to teach them those skills as well as to the, the surfing side of it? Yeah, more so on a one-on-one level, definitely. Yeah. And when I'm working private practice-wise, I'm, I'm working with kids on that level and, and reading the ways and, and the environment um, and, and how to move in the water. But when it's at, at the events and maybe they're only there for a few times, it's more, yes, I'll manage the safety, yeah, make it. sure the volunteers are aware. Um, but then it would be hoped as that program continues on throughout the surf schools, the surf schools would pick that up and teach those skills as well. Yeah. Um, I guess it's finding finding the right way to to be able to do it as well, and in ways that are going to work for the kid. I had a kid yesterday, and we went we went surfing, and the current was pretty strong. Um, so we're sweeping down the beach, and he was very much like, oh, "I can do it on my own." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, all right, you can." 
let's have a go. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, he's 20, 20 metres down the beach. I was like, so, you know how I was <laughs> <laughs> the current's really strong today. He's like, oh, yes, it is. But, you know, he always has to do it first to, to yeah, learn. Yeah. And being able to understand, I suppose, as the educator in that situation, what challenge you give them to understand and what level of you can assess. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously not trying to throw them in a situation that's too dangerous for to recover no. from, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And you as the educator being aware of what their limits are or where they're up yeah. to. And then also being able to read the ocean, the environment, what's going to happen and preempt as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm. What was the coolest thing you saw coming out of that conference? Oh, the coolest thing I saw. Oh, gosh. Saw? Or saw or like heard or... <laughs> I think for me the biggest thing, I think one of them obviously was I was so overwhelmed by the number of OTs that were there. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I was like, yeah, okay. The OTs know what's going You're on the right track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is where we need to be. This is where we are really useful. Um I think it was just seeing how all these different population groups were, were benefiting and having the same outcomes, um, improving their confidence, improving their self-esteem, um, improving their overall well-being and sense of belonging and sense of community. Um, and they're all having those, those changes occurring, no matter what population group it was, adults, kids, mental health, physical disabilities, yeah, autism. And same with the volunteers and everyone there that was in that room was the same. We're finding the same things no matter what. And I think that encompassing for me is like, yes, as human beings, what we're all capable of feeling or all capable of doing. Um, and that, like I said before, I suppose all being invariably kind to one another is, is what we want. We want to be good. We want to be kind. We want to do good things for other people. We want to see other people succeed when we are feeling you know, safe and free of fear. That is, that's innately how we are as human beings. And seeing that in a room, like a room full of that, was yeah. just like, oh, <laughs> this is, these are my people. <laughs> was there big surf events at the surf conference? Did no. everyone get it? No. No, <laughs> there wasn't much surf. I know. We were a bit gypped. That's okay. There's always this year. Where is it this year? Are you going this year? Yeah, I think uh, back in LA again. Yeah, yeah, hopefully some more waves. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed we all get some waves together. Yeah, yeah, but we had a, um, at the end of the conference, we all had the local population groups. So there was youth at risk, there was the autism population, there were some veterans as well. And so all of us as organisations worked within our own unique field that we work in and had a big surf therapy event down at the beach, including everyone, That's which awesome. was really cool. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Do they do thing or were they doing things any different to how you do them or is it you feel like you're pretty yeah, on top of it? Pretty on top of it and pretty much um, all operating in a, in a similar way. Um, where I suppose my focus has been on building and enabling the skills um, of the participants as much as possible. I suppose that's as an OT, that's what we, what we want to do. Uh, there's lots of opportunities for them to develop those skills in surfing. So how much that they can do on their own. So we can't, if we make them stand up and help them stand up, then they're not learning to stand up. Like how, where are the opportunities to build those adaptive responses? So I know that for us as surfing the spectrum, that's a big, component that we believe in so if they can if they can only get to their knees then they only get to their knees we don't often make them get them to stand up after that or pull them up or whatever because they're not ready to do it because their body hasn't done it itself um and there's only so many ways i suppose you can learn through someone else doing it for you yeah yeah um and we focus on creating an adaptive response so some of those things are a little bit different to maybe some of the other organizations that would work on bigger boards and and pulling the kids up to surf um, where we just focus on, no, uh, we want the kids to do these. We want to rewire their brain so that they're doing it. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. And, and make greater change. But if they only get to their knees, they get to their knees. If they're only on their stomach, they're only on their stomach, whatever they want to do. 
as long as they're having fun. Exactly, as long as they're having fun. And for some of these kids that have never been to the beach before, just riding waves, you know, how high is that? <laughs> 20 centimetres high, knee depth is like the most exhilarating thing. And that's great. Who says that it needs to be anything yeah. different? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's wicked. I can't think of anything else. No. That I Good. Need I to can't ask. think of anything else either. <laughs> I was going to say, is there anything else you think we need to cover or we haven't covered or I've forgotten? Or... No, I don't think so. I feel like I've said most things. <laughs> so if people are wanting to check out more info about Surf the Spectrum or find Surf the Spectrum or yourself on any of the socials, where where can we send them? Where can they look? On the socials. On the socials. <laughs> Surfing the Spectrum, whatever the tag is that I've had to make. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Surfing the Spectrum. Do you, know, um, do, you remember, do you remember your own website? I do remember my website, www.surfingthespectrum.org. It's there. <laughs> that is real. And then I don't know, somehow it just appears now on my Facebook and Instagram as whatever it is, but... And surfing the spectrum on Insta. I'll put links in the show notes so it's nice and easy to find. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you are more than welcome. Yeah, people head there can... and then people can check out. There's plenty of photos yeah. of the kids in action uh, yeah. and updates on where you have your events and that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, we've, I think we're adding an extra event this season than we thought we would just because the demand has been so big so i think we're heading back up the north coast at the end of the season in may back to yamba is so, there is there plans to expand or are you just taking it as it comes taking it as it comes next year's going to be bigger again i think we're heading up into queensland um and maybe down into victoria but just as much as we can manage yep. yeah we i think uh quality over quantity is what we're nice. aiming for yeah so everyone's just gonna have to bear with us everyone's just gonna have to come to newcastle Yep. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Five hundred. Until we, until we train up all the, until we train up all the other surf schools around um, Australia, so that people don't have to travel too far at all, and they can just have access to stuff like this every weekend. Yeah. If they wish. That's the dream. That is the dream. Love it. Thank you very much for for coming along and telling us all about it because I think it's just awesome. Oh, thanks for letting me share. It's been great. Ha, ha, ha.